Open up your Bibles to John chapter 5. We've been talking about uh, advancing the kingdom through all the saints. That means all of us being a part of advancing the kingdom via the supernatural. So we've been talking about the spirit realm and the supernatural. Uh, this is the third part of that, and so we're going to throw bunch of little bits and pieces in today. But I appreciate Kate sharing about her, her mom praying for her, her granddaughter, Kate's niece. Uh, you know, sometimes we expect when God does something supernatural, that's like fireworks. Something should be, should be loud and, and it should be visible to everyone. And, and sometimes God's not really worried about that. He's worried about touching somebody. We've been praying for Steve's mom uh, for a number of months. In fact, I don't want to overstate it, but if I remember correctly, when she first found out that she'd had cancer, it was like she might not make it for a couple days. And now she's free of cancer? And home. And so, but it didn't happen instantaneously. It happened over a number of months. Uh, why? I don't know. God just does what he does. And it's, it's so wonderful. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we lose sight of what God's doing. We were praying for a young lady who was in the hospital, a lady and with some real problems and lesions on her brain and all kinds of stuff. She's, she's now walking. She had some other situations happen that we're still praying for. But the thing that we we're praying about her physical thing, God seems to have done amazing things there, and sometimes we can forget that. You know, Merv was sharing last week about his friend in the hospital who's praying, and, and God seemed to heal his liver. You know, and, and God's doing some amazing things. Sometimes our expectation is that something like this will, will get headlines in the newspaper, and everybody will come uh, and see what's happening. And God's, I think he's more concerned about Touching people's hearts. Yeah. You know that uh, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, it was a wonderful thing. But you know, Lazarus died again. But when God changes our heart, when we come to know him and we're redeemed and forgiven and born again, that's eternal. When Jesus said the greater things, the things that I do, you'll do, and even greater... He wasn't talking about number of miracles. He was talking about we actually get to preach the, the good news of the gospel. And people, eternity can be changed. Yeah. Not just there today. It's wonderful when God touches someone and heals them. I, uh, I tore the, uh, the anterior cruciate ligament in my knee when I was in college. I was playing soccer. And uh, I never had it fixed. They just kind of trimmed the ligament in it. And they said, okay, if you just strengthen the muscle around it, you'll be fine. And so, I mean, that's been more than five years <laughs> when I was in college. That was just a few years ago. But uh, a couple years ago, I walked into the end of a door and broke my toe. And I could hardly stand. And I was in church on Sunday worshiping. And God just touched it. I, I, I didn't even pray. Just in the midst of worship, my toe was totally fine. Uh, the swelling went down. The, the black and blue was gone by the end of the day. 
no pain. And I'm going, but God, the knee, the knee. <laughs> Fix the knee. The, the toe's got to heal. Why did God do that? I don't know. It's just to show himself great. We're talking about advancing the, the supernatural. Kind of review. God wants to show himself and his love to people. Okay, sometimes we get focused on the, the circumstance rather than the bigger picture. You know what? It's, it is great when God heals someone, but it's so much greater when they get to know him as well. And so I think what we're seeing is that often the supernatural is associated with the declaring of the gospel. We saw that in Jesus. We saw that in the disciples. And so sometimes we want the supernatural, but we don't want the declaring of the gospel. We said last week, supernatural is not about us. It's not about showing our ministry or our something about us. It's about the Holy Spirit being seen in the word manifestations of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. Manifestations means to make seen or known, and that's actually the Holy Spirit. They're the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. How many of you got to be part of the uh, Activate adventure last, beginning last week? Awesome time. These guys did a great job in communicating. I'm really excited about that. Is it too late for anyone to, to join? Sorry, you have to wait till next time. If you didn't make it last week, then you'll have to wait till the next time we do it. You've missed out on your chance. <laughs> but let me talk to you. How do we partner with the Holy Spirit for the supernatural? We've been kind of getting to this point over the last few weeks. How do we partner with the Holy Spirit for the supernatural? Lord, we just ask that you would lead us into truth. Holy Spirit, you're the one who brings revelation. You're the one who does the miraculous that Jesus is glorified. And so we open up our hearts to you, that you would speak to us and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this is a review of something I preached uh, a few months ago. You might have missed it, but there's three ingredients to partnering with the Holy Spirit for the supernatural. There's revelation. There's relationship. And there's response. I put those in, in that way so that you'll remember them. Revelation is the word. Okay? It's what does God say? What is God doing? It's, it's the bigger picture. Now, for instance, if you don't believe that God heals today, then it's very tough to hear the Holy Spirit say he wants to heal someone. And that's what relationship is the Holy Spirit. So the revelation is the word. That's the truth of the word. The relationship is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he did nothing on his own initiative, his own authority, but only what he heard the Father saying. So we have to have a revelation of truth of the word, and we also have to have a relationship with God through the Spirit who leads us. And then we have to respond to that for something supernatural to happen. Okay, you still with me? This is all introduction so we can get to the good stuff. Okay, so if we believe that God speaks today, prophecy, 
then we have a revelation that the Holy Spirit can speak into and give us a word for someone. Now, if you don't believe that God speaks today, you can't hear the Holy Spirit give you a word for someone. Right? You're just close to that. But if you believe God speaks today and the Holy Spirit gives you a word for someone, but you don't share it, there's no supernatural. It's not rocket science, right? Revelation, relationship, response. So I believe that God heals. He tells me he wants to touch someone and heal them. And I share it and God does it. Or I pray for someone, like Kate's mom prayed for grand. She could have said, oh, yeah, I believe God heals. I have a sense of the Holy Spirit. There's something of anointing for healing today. And I just sit on it. Maybe something will happen. No, she put it into practice and she said, okay, my response is I'm going to pray for my granddaughter. Right? You're still with me? I was raised in, a, as I've said before, an evangelical church. And the revelation that the church I grew up in had was that there wasn't really relationship with God. They didn't believe the Holy Spirit was at work today. They didn't believe in the supernatural. So they would believed in a revelation of prophecy as not being for today, but as being in times only. And so they, there's, there's a whole lot of people who believe this, and they have people who teach on end times, and their belief in prophecy is only what the Bible says about the end. They don't actually believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking today to people. And so they, they have no ability to hear the Holy Spirit say something to people because they've just closed that off. Not because they, they've realized the truth and have closed their heart to it. They just are blind. They didn't, have never seen it. I was raised in a church like that. And we were very zealous about the Word, but there was just no place for the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, this supernatural stuff we're talking about doesn't come natural to me. I had a predisposition toward something that was very natural. And so that's why we've had to approach this thing the way we have, because I needed to hear it. Okay, this is all review and, and catching us up to speed. I want to touch on three myths this morning about moving in the supernatural. Okay? Three myths about moving in the supernatural. The first myth, the first myth, Say that three times fast. First, 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 the first myth is that moving in the supernatural is based on our holiness. Okay? It's basically the more righteous I am, the more God can use me. And the re converse of that thinking is that if I've done something wrong or had some sort of sin or some sort of bad thought or something this week, God can't use me. And so we actually end up bound by our humanity. Now, the Bible actually says this. He who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5, talk about Jesus, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. You don't get any more righteous than that. Okay? 
But God's ability to use people is not based on our holiness. It's based on his greatness and his love for people. If he didn't use imperfect vessels, then there would be no supernatural because the only person he could ever use in history was Jesus. Yet all of us, almost all of us, have testified that we've actually seen God do something supernatural or miraculous. He uses imperfect vessels. Now the converse, let me make this clear. The fact that God uses someone in the supernatural is not a justification of their lifestyle, their morality, or their holiness. I don't know how often I've heard people, you know, leaders who are living in sin, but they say, but God still uses me. As if that justifies their sinfulness. It doesn't. It has nothing to do. They're totally irrelated. Unrelated. Irrelated? Is that even a word? Unrelated. You know what I meant. Okay. So the myth that it's tied in with our holiness is just a lie of the enemy to stop us from allowing God to be seen. Because that's what it's about. It's not about us being seen. It's about God being seen through us. It's about his love being poured out to hurting people. You still with me? So just because God uses you doesn't mean that, you're, that he's justifying your life. He uses imperfect people. But the fact that you might, have, might be imperfect doesn't mean he can't choose you. You still with me? Okay. Second myth about moving in the supernatural is that it's based on our doctrine. If I have the right doctrine, God can use me. And so we have this approach to learning things that says, oh, the more I know the right doctrine, the more God can use me. Same thing. Supernatural manifestations are not an endorsement of our doctrine. God uses imperfect people. I think sometimes we think we've got a good understanding. I, uh, I studied theology, and I came out of university thinking that I understood things, and I decided all that was left for me to do was memorize the Bible. And so I began to do that. And then I had some revelation and began to see things differently. And you know what? My whole understanding of theology changed dramatically, and I probably went from 1% right to 2% right. I didn't get to 90% or 99% right. There's so much more of God that we don't understand. Okay, sometimes we think if we get it all down and we understand it all, then God can use us. And the reality is that that's not a limitation. The amount you know is not a limitation for God using you. And the amount you know, or the fact that God uses you, is not an endorsement of the amount you know. Because God uses me doesn't mean that everything I preach is right. The Bible is right. Okay, too often we think if someone actually is anointed by God and they pray for the sick and they get healed, then everything they say must be right. It's baloney. We need to go back to what does the Bible say? 
Sometimes we have this idea that if it works, it must be right. If my doctrine works, it must be right. Let me tell you, God does the work. We talked about last week. Not our beliefs or our doctrine. Power is not in my doctrine. Power is in God. You still with me? Okay, all that was to get to this one. <laughs> okay, the third myth is that moving in the supernatural is based on the amount of faith I have. Like I can have enough faith to see headaches healed, but maybe not enough faith to see cancer healed. And the belief system behind that is basically that faith is almost like money. If I have some money, I can buy new shoes. But if I have more money, I could buy a new car. We think if I have a little bit of faith, I can see someone's headache healed. But if I have a lot of faith, I can see cancer healed. Now the problem with that, the myth is that we think that the power's in the faith rather than in God. See, power's in God himself. Now some of you, I know that I'm stepping on some of your teaching, but I wanna get back to the Bible. Three points I want to make. First is that faith is relational. Okay? Romans chapter 10. And verse 17 says, so faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Now that's not talking about, see, again, I was raised in an evangelical church, and we said faith comes by hearing the Word of God, and we would point to the Bible, and when you hear this, faith comes. But that's not what it actually means. It says faith comes by hearing the rhema. It's a relational term. Faith comes by hearing what God says. I can have a revelation about something, but what, about healing, but when God says he wants to heal Fiona, faith rises up because God said it. It's a relational thing. We used to sing a song when I was a little kid in this evangelical church that didn't actually believe much in relationship, but the song was perfect. It said, it, the words were this, faith is just believing what God says he will do. Very simple. Faith is just believing what God says he will do. We have this concept sometimes. I have a friend who was teaching once that faith is like a muscle. And the more you work out and the more you use it, the bigger it gets. And the bigger it gets, the more weight you can lift. But the whole focus becomes on us. Faith isn't like a muscle. Faith is the gaze of the soul fixed on an awesome God. Hebrews 12 one says, looking to Jesus, fixing our gaze on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We're going to find out next week that all of this lies in Jesus. It's not in us. So it's not my strength. It's not, you know, do I, if, have I worked out enough so that I've got big muscles? It's do I know him well enough? 
that I know his character. I know his ways. If Tim tells me he's going to do something, I have absolute confidence he will because I know him. See, that's a character thing. It's a trust thing. Okay, you stay with me. Faith is relational too. Each one of us has faith. If you're saved, you have faith. Because you had enough faith to get saved. Romans 12.3 says that God has given to each a measure of faith. Now, it's in a bigger context, and we're not going to talk about what that measure is, but the bottom is that God has given to each one faith. See, we get into this thing where the devil starts questioning, do you have enough faith for this? I told you the story about my friend Raquel. I'm going to tell you again. Raquel was at the uh, accountant, and she was, was uh, waiting to see the accountant, and Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, pray for the receptionist who had eczema on her, on her skin. And Raquel said, God, I don't have faith for that. My mind's not there. I'm thinking about accounting. I don't think anything's going to happen. I just don't have faith. You know what the Holy Spirit said? Yeah, it's okay. Don't do it. No. He doesn't do that. It was like he just sat there. Didn't change. You know, our arguments don't usually change God. And Raquel went, okay, okay. Because we've been talking about what we're talking about today. It's not a, the amount of faith. So she said, okay, I'll do it. So she gets up and she goes to the receptionist. I see you have this. Can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And so she prays for her. And you know what happened? Nothing. Raquel went over and sat down and said, God, I told you nothing was going to happen. And the Holy Spirit spoke very clearly to her and said, well done, good and faithful servant. See, our response is to obey. Our responsibility is not the results. Our responsibility is the obedience. Because we can't heal anyone anyway. But you know what happened? Two days later, she gets a phone call. And it's the receptionist. And she says, I'm healed. I'm healed. You've healed me. Raquel said, no, I didn't heal you. In fact, I didn't even have any faith. So I know it wasn't me at all. The gal woke up the next morning, and all of her eczema was gone. She'd had it for 30 years, and it was all gone. And she waited 24 hours because she just wasn't sure. You know, is this something weird? She waited 24 hours, and then she called Raquel, and Raquel said, I didn't heal you. Jesus did. Can I tell you about it? She said, yes. Romans 12 says we all have faith. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Luke 17, you know that there's one place where the disciples say to Jesus, increase our faith. They had this idea they needed more faith. And so in Luke 17, verse 5, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, You can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. What's he saying? He's saying the amount of faith is not the issue. Then he goes on and says this, and which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? 
But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I, I have eaten and drunk and afterwards you can eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say we are unprofitable servants. We've done what was our duty to do. He didn't change subjects. They said increase our faith. He said the amount of faith is important. And then he said just obey. See, when you've obeyed and God does something supernatural, he doesn't say, hey, come in. Let me pat you on the back. You you sit here and let me serve you because now you've done something fantastic. He just says, you've just done what you were told to do. Right? That's what it says. I'm not making this stuff up. I get excited, but I'm not making this up. What is he saying? I want you to understand this. I believe he's saying this. You have enough faith to obey anything the Holy Spirit tells you to do. You have enough faith to obey anything the Holy Spirit tells you to do. It's not a matter of do I have enough faith to pray for someone who has a headache as opposed to someone You have enough faith to obey. You still with me? I want to say this, the leading of the Holy Spirit is not a test to trip you up. Well, I know that Johan only has enough faith for headaches, but I'm going to ask him to pray for someone who has cancer, and he's going to fail. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. In fact, just the opposite. He knows the revelation you have about God, about his character, his ways. He knows that. He knows the relationship you have the level of trust you have, so he will never ask you to do something that is beyond what you can do. You still with me? So if the Holy Spirit has said it, you can do it. You can do it. (laughs) If the Holy Spirit has said it. So the issue isn't our amount of faith. The issue is our relationship. Am I walking in relationship? Can I hear his voice? When he says it, you can do it. See, Jesus said he did nothing of his own initiative. He didn't say, ah, I see that person who's paralyzed there. I'm going to go pray for them. He said, I see that person who's paralyzed there. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And if the Holy Spirit says, I want to heal them, he responded. Right? When do we get in trouble? When we initiate. Rather than saying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying and doing? I'm just a servant. I'm just a faithful servant. God's not getting behind what I want to do. I'm not running into the fray and saying, Holy Spirit, come along. We talked last week. We follow him. We're led by the Spirit. We walk in step with the Spirit. We listen to what the Spirit's saying, and then God is seen. You know what happens then? Sorry, I get excited about this stuff. I get intense. You know what happens then 
when somebody is healed, all the glory goes to Jesus. See, if it's the amount of faith I have, then I get a little bit of the credit. It was my faith that did it. If it's tied in with my holiness, then I get a little bit of the credit. I was holy enough. Steve might not have been if he prayed for someone, but I was. If it's tied in with my doctrine, then my doctrine, I get a little bit of the credit because I said, thing is that we're always looking for some of the credit. And we develop these whole systems that give us, we know it's God. As I've said before, you know, the story of the uh, fly on the elephant's back and the elephant walked across the bridge and the bridge shook and the fly said, boy, didn't we make that bridge shake. The fly didn't make the bridge shake. Yeah, we want a little bit of it. We get to partner with God. So, when we're talking about the supernatural, what am I saying? Simply, if we're led by the Spirit, you don't need to be intimidated. You don't need to allow the enemy, who is the accuser of the brethren, to come in and say, well, you can't do that. Merv, you don't have enough, you don't have right doctrine. Or you've done something wrong this week. Or you don't have enough faith for that. This guy, I mean, he's got liver that's failing. Oh, yeah, you're okay with headaches. But you don't have enough faith for this. Our faith is not in our ability. It's in the power of God. Does God's power change whether it's a headache or a cancer? One of my favorite scriptures is in 2 Kings 7. It says, the heavens and the highest heavens can't contain you. It's talking about the greatness of God. And if you ever study astronomy, it just blows your mind how big the universe is. And God is bigger. His power is far beyond what we can comprehend. So what is it? What is our responsibility? Obviously, our responsibility is to respond, but there's something that happens as well. And it's not faith. It's something different. It's called expectation. Sometimes we mix the two together. But expectation is really, am I actually expecting God to to say or do something? Am I looking? Am I waiting? Am I listening? This is probably one of my biggest difficulties. As I shared last week, I have incredible powers of concentration. I grew up in a family with a small home, and, and, uh, and I, have, I can concentrate. Oh, that was actually in, in home group, wasn't it? Sorry. I grew up in this small house with uh, nine of us, and I would do my homework there, and there'd be noise everywhere, and I could just concentrate. And now if I'm reading, my kids would come and say something to me, and, and it, I would never even hear it. I can concentrate. The problem is, when I'm going to the hardware store to get paint, I can really concentrate. And it's really ho- tough for the Holy Spirit to break in because I don't really have an expert. I'm, I'm about paint. I'm going to get the paint and I'm going to paint. And, and to me, you know, it's, how quick can I get in and out? And, it's, and my difficulty is that in the midst of that, I'm not often listening to the Holy Spirit if he wants to do something. None of you would ever have that problem, I know. But I can get so focused on the natural that I miss 
So expectation is, do I really believe that God's wanting to do something? Do I believe that God's wanting to touch people? Do I believe that there, there is something of him manifesting the supernatural through me? See, all these other things destroy our expectation because we're convinced that God can't use us anyway. Oh, yeah, God can use Steve, but God can't use me. And so we rush to hear some evangelist share who's got some sort of anointing because we think they have a special anointing for this, and I don't. Do I actually expect that he could do something through me? Expectation. I want to ask you, do you expect that God can do something through you? Do you expect that he wants to? He's wanting to show himself to an unbelieving world. He's wanting his supernatural to be seen because it breaks through all the arguments. Do you expect he wants to do that through you? Or do you just think, ah, Johan and Fiona, they're doing the class on Activate. Of course God can use them. They've had a long time in this, and they've been teaching this stuff, and they can do it, and so they, you know, I have an expectation that God can use them. I have an expectation that God can use someone else, but I'm not sure I have an expectation that God can use me. What do I want to leave you with this morning? Very simple. Everything the Holy Spirit says to you, you can do. Everything the Holy Spirit says to you. Maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't said to you that you should move to another nation and be a representative for him there. Because maybe you don't have the revelation or the relationship yet, or maybe that's not his purpose for you. Maybe he hasn't said that, so don't do it. But when he says, pray for that person, you can. And you'll probably be shocked. My son in his church uh, in Melbourne was showing on the supernatural, and one of the gals in the church went to the grocery store, and she saw this guy who had a brace on his knee and felt the Holy Spirit said, I want you to, to pray for him. She went, nah. And she, she walked down the aisle, and she was arguing with God, and she said, okay, if I see him again, I'll pray for him. So she goes, turns and goes down the aisle, and here he comes. And she went, okay, God. She said, this might sound strange, but I feel like God wants to touch you and heal you. Can I pray for you? And the guy said, sure. What's he got to lose? So she just doesn't know what to do. She falls on her, on her knees and grabs his leg and begins to pray. And an electric shock hits them both. The guy goes, what was that? She says, I don't know. Maybe it was God. And he starts moving his leg, and he said, wow, that was amazing. And she was so shocked, she got up and ran out of the store. <laughs> Never talked to him about Jesus. She was just shocked that God touched the guy. Oh, sure, it was her faith. No, she had enough faith to obey. And God broke through. God wants to touch people more than you do. God's love is greater than yours. His concern for people who are unlovely or unloved or, or lonely is so much greater that God wants to touch people and he's simply saying, will you partner with me so that I can show my love to someone? 
That's the church we want to be. That he gets the glory. That's not us. Would you stand? I just don't want you falling asleep when I ask you to bow your head for a moment. If you would, just so you're not distracted by other people around you. Again, bowing our head or closing our eyes isn't more spiritual. It just simply means that sometimes we're not distracted. Sometimes we get focused on people and their response. I have a sense in my heart that there's a commissioning that God is doing today. Just as we have heard in different uh, denominational churches of commissioning for people to the work of the ministry or for church planting or for something else, there's a commissioning that God's saying that I've chosen you to partner with me that I can pour out my love on a hurting people. And there's a commissioning, and Jesus has got his hand on you. Don't worry about the person next to you. Jesus has his hand on you, and he's saying, I'm choosing you. Will you partner with me? So you're already righteous in Jesus. You have enough faith to obey. If you simply obey what he says, he'll do the supernatural. And then you get to tell people about Jesus. Just like Raquel. No, I didn't heal you. Jesus did. See, we're not making disciples of ourselves. We're making disciples of Jesus. Lord, thank you for the privilege of partnering with you. Thank you for the privilege that we get to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, there's something in all of us as young people and as children when we're small that we want to change the world. We want to be part of those who make an impact and leave a legacy. And we use so many different terms and names. And, but the greatest thing is as we partner with you, we change people's eternity. Thank you for that privilege. I thank you for every person that is here this morning. I believe by your hand, whether they've come to visit for the first time or whether they've been away and have come back or whatever, there's something of your commissioning of people. And so we just say, as Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Lord, here am I, send me. I say that for me. Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, there's probably 100,000 people in this city who don't know you. And you love every single one of them the same as you love me. And you're wanting to reach them and make yourself known to them. And Lord, we say, here am I. Send me. Amen. Amen. If you don't know him, it starts with, with meeting him. But then it goes from there with just seeing God's hand at work. I uh, was tempted to just tell you story after story after story after story after story of seeing God's hand at work.
But the problem is that until we deal with these myths, then you might think it's something about me. And it's not. Because most of the time I had no faith. Most of the time I simply obeyed. And God did. I went with a guy to pray for a lady once. She had a back problem, was in bed for weeks, could not move, asked us to come and pray. Neither one of us had any faith. We went simply in obedience to the word. If there's any sick, let them call the elders. And we went and we prayed for her. And she hopped up out of bed and ran around the room and ran out the door and down the street and came back yelling and screaming that God had touched her. And we both looked at each other and went, that wasn't us. <laughs> Deal with that now. It's not you. Amen? Amen. 